Warning, Supernatural The Crossroads contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Episode of Supernatural The Crossroads, the Winchester's Edition. I'm your host, Thomas Cowley, and joined with me as usual, not always because we screw that up sometimes, is Ryan Denton. Poop. All right then, and Michael Flores. Hello. All right, we are talking about episode four, Masters of War, from the first inaugural season of the Winchesters. And this one, I will say, had something different than the last couple did. I think yeah. this one had a little bit more conflict, drama, Maybe gravitas, a little, heart. a little bit more soul, heart, something. That that undefinable quality that makes something worth watching. It definitely had a little bit more of that. And that's a nice change. I think that's something that we've talked about needing for some time now. And it's nice to see them put that in the forefront or think about it again. Yeah. Uh, the negative version of that is it took four episodes, but we finally have a John episode <laughs> in which we delve into his background and some of the shit that happened to him out in the hellish landscape that was Vietnam. But we'll get into that. Generally speaking, though, I think this episode was a lot stronger than the previous three. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes, I agree. Full of actual intent and and movement for our characters and reasons why we're doing things. The narrative was a lot more focused, it felt. I think it did a great job of dialing down some side characters to be actual people rather than caricatures of people they think live in L.A., which was needed, frankly, for us to care. Just like any drama, comedy, or even real-life person that you know, when someone is always over the top, it can get grating. Right. And having them come down a little bit to those realistic grounding I'm moments. I'm a different character. Has you're a cartoon. That's yes. That's why people like me. People love Daffy to watch cartoons over here. People love to watch cartoons on Saturday. And that's why I am. who watches cartoons on Saturdays. Ryan. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I am my own fan. I am basically I am my own fan. That is so sad. Holy shit. <laughs> I don't know if that's douchey or sad. Yes. Or both. Yes. It's probably both. You know, whatever, dude. But I, th- I think you need those grounding <laughs> moments to give a character no. weight, to have them matter, for us to have a moment in what we say, okay, I too understand and can identify with this person and what they're going through. Yeah. If they're always cartoonish, larger than life, silly, then, then it means nothing. They it's, may be it's fun. It's hard to identify to with a, a court jester. Right. You know, like, like it doesn't seem real. It's a faux individual. You Sometimes you want to cut through the superficiality to see something more real. Especially because those grounding and serious moments that do cut through have all the more impact and weight to them. Some great comedy shows did that very, very well. 
like The Office is a good example. Yes, the characters were over the top, but when they had those real people moments, they hit all the more impactful. Mm -hmm. Dean Jensen was amazing at that in Supernatural. When he was Dean, silly goofball, carefree was great, but then when he had that single man tier moment that we all came to love, it hit like a truck. And also, once you start to understand the character of Dean Winchester, you realize that a lot of his humor is more of a protecting... Uh, it's a coping mechanism. A coping mechanism, yeah. That's the it's word exactly, exactly why I use humor. Because yeah. my real life is very dark and... He just twisted. sits in the darkness. I brood. Drinking. I brood and think about fighting Spin a revolver. Oh. <laughs> no, that's a different game. That's me? That's what yeah, I do. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's uh, Thomas's version of fighting yeah. anxiety. But we had some of those moments that I think were very important here and they weren't just moments of they weren't fleeting. They had an impact. And I liked that. Uh, some of the biggest wins for this episode was probably the fact that we actually, like I said, focused on John Winchester Four episodes, but here we are having an episode about him, his trauma, what he went through, and also a bit of foreshadowing on the behavior that we would later know or will later know to become part of his identity, part of his ideology, and part of what makes him such a terrifying hunter and tragic and flawed person. And I like that. We've had, we might have touched about it on the main show or in our after hours recordings, but we've had this kind of happy-go-lucky not too gritty version of John compared to what we know. And for somebody who had been through Vietnam, we felt like he was surprisingly granola sound. Okay. Normal. It, he, look for a guy that supposedly had PT, went through the shit. PTSD. He wasn't very PTSD. And I think that was really my biggest problem with him is that this character quote unquote had seen some shit and was coping pretty well. And I feel we like were told we weren't seeing it. Yeah. And, and, and this episode gave us a very nice taste of what he's actually dealing with and in the right way too. Um, it, which, which is good. I mean, we needed that. We needed to see him be conflicted. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I also liked the, the way they were able to dissect a very real issue in this country dealing with, the mental health of vets. Right. Yeah. And, and something that is, I think fairly well known today, but was certainly never talked about no, in the seventies. Yeah. Not after which Vietnam is, and yeah, no, which was not just the mental trauma, but specifically the stuff that John's going through, which is survivor's guilt. The idea that why me, why am I the only one I should have died back there with everybody else and feeling out of place and and that is a hard thing for anyone to understand, I think, who hasn't gone through it. You should think logically you're lucky to be alive and you're grateful and happy. And they right. just can't feel like that. I and know when I was in Vietnam, I was I was just grateful. To right. Survive. What company were you in? The fifth. Fifth company? <laughs> yeah. Of, of what platoon? The fourth. <laughs> the fourth, fifth. <laughs> <laughs> what was, was the Viet Cong like? Very Asian. <laughs> oh, oh, what was it like in Da Nang? The food was good. Yeah, yeah. What'd you have? Babies. <laughs> oh my god! I was just gonna say Vietnamese. I was like, uh, like, that's the easy answer. All you had to say was pho, but all right, he went straight to babies. Fucking psycho. 
Listen, when you're when you become a part of the culture of war, it becomes a part of you. Right. Oh, Jesus. Right. I was there for a long time. How long were you there for? Fifteen years. <laughs> Fifteen years. You, were you a prisoner of war? Or? I want to see how far I you just, did it goes. I just stayed after. After I the just, war ended, I, I stayed. I just see Mike's after. face with like fading into the middle distance as a Huey sound and yeah. like with uh, Creedence, Creedence Clearwater. Yeah. Fortunate Son is like the image. You guys are chopper flying. Yeah. Jesus. All right. So we have a little Pop bit of John. Apocalypse Now is actually based on my. It's, it's based my on your life. It's based on your life. Which one were you? Were you. Uh, the main guy. The original name was Apocalypse Then. That, like, I felt like that made more <laughs> At sense. At the same time, yeah. right? Yeah, so it makes sense. You were Marlon Brando's character, the one that went fucking psycho and started killing people. Yeah, he, he was stayed, there for 15 years. Just yeah. stayed after a while. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we have the survivor's guilt element. We have a lot of John's trauma, which plays center stage in this episode, which I do think is good and very much needed. On the Mary side of things, there's a little bit more of her working through some of her traumatic issues, specifically the death of her sister. Uh, that is some narrative elements that add to her character, add to the decisions we know she has made and will make and the person she is. We get a little bit more into that. Uh, but I think the the surprising, not not for the whole episode, but the surprising <laughs> and enjoyable aspect was from a, from a character side besides John's, for me at least, was Carlos because he was far more, frankly, tolerable, mm-hmm. believable this episode. Uh. I there's There's one scene that's egregiously bad, too, but... I think they did a much better job of dialing him down to a realistic, believable war veteran from Vietnam. Yeah. Rather than this, what I hate to say, but feels like is just becoming more and more. You're allowed to say it. The caricature of a LGBT person in the seventies, based on what we interpret as acceptable, believable and, and true to life today. It feels it's an, it's a, Coastal city stereotype. Yes, very much so that they're playing up on. And it doesn't feel like the kind of person who would have real conflict in this world, real problems in this world, real ideology and and conflicted with feeling like you have to being forced to fight for a war in a war you don't believe in by a country that doesn't want you by people who don't like you should be a treasure trove of trauma, conflict and interesting moments and we finally get a little bit of that with him, but not nearly enough. But at least it was a breath of fresh air moment, yeah. I feel. And it brought his performance down a little bit and actually let the character, let the actor do a much better job feeling like they're acting like a person rather than pretending to be a caricature. I know who I am. I'm a dude playing a dude disguised as another dude. Exactly. That's Carlos. <laughs> So that was those were the two highlight moments, and I think another thing also is Vietnam. we have a moment where we get to see a little bit of the darkness in John come yes. to the forefront, which I also liked because I do feel like the well, show needs a that, little bit more. That was teeth. the best part. Of the that episode. was it, it was when I, that God says now, something about getting him ready for the Creed. I'm like, oh shit! Now we're doing it. We're doing things that actually feel like supernatural. Yeah. Well, and I think. One of the things that always made John such an interesting character, something that we always liked in Supernatural, was that darkness that he had in him. And it was it was mysterious. We didn't know a lot about him at the time. We just knew that he was this rugged dude that was a really good, you know, fighter, really good hunter. 
And it's nice to see that aspect in this. I'll be honest, like the darkness in man or men in general is one of the things that is attractive about men in general. And I don't just mean like, oh, sexuality. I, I know what you mean. I mean, yes. the idea of power to and, and ability to do violence, yet the moral and mental restraint to do the right thing yeah. is a very philosophically interesting and biologically interesting aspect that John is paramount in the I original just, show. People are in general are very complex. Yes. Even people that we may think are not complex. The typical human, if you were to go inside their mind or communicate oh with people, you would see how complex individuals really are. It's an internal struggle between what we want to do, what we're thinking, how we, we feel, feel, how should we actually talk about something? Right. Should we talk to this person? Should we say this? Should we not say that? There's a lot of introspection. And, and when you don't convey that in, in a television show, when you're dealing with ingredients that would typically make a very complex person like John Winchester, it just feels like a missed opportunity. And that is why this episode did, I feel, br definitely go up several notches because they did bring some of that complexity to the forefront. Yeah. And I'm hoping that they continue to go down this route because I want to see John get to the edge where everyone else yeah. looks at him like, what the fuck? The fuck? Yeah. And I want him to fail. I want him to go into the darkness because the thing that saves him is his children. And before right. that, Mary. Exactly. We, we're too afraid to let our heroes struggle these days. They all have to be perfect unfallible, always right, always capable, never challenged, and that makes them boring as shit to watch. Yeah. What makes John in the first, in the original show, and what makes Dean and Sam so interesting is the failures, the fuck-ups, the mistakes, trying to improve upon that. And Being be morally compromised. Because it makes it, us feel less like monsters. To this day, one of the most impactful episodes is when Dean was going too far into the darkness. I think in second season, and he befriended Gordon Walker for a short period yeah. of time. And then also when John or Dean pulled a gun out on a kid in order to save, was it Mary? Yeah. It was Mary. I mean, that, like, what the fuck did he just do? I know a lot of people on social media was, were, they were upset. Like, how dare you write Dean But that this was way? the best thing but they could have done. But what were we doing? We were applauding. Praising that shit. Shit, that is some serious darkness. Yes. Yeah. It's good. You need to have that in order for it to be interesting. Otherwise, you're just reading a story about some great, perfect people did something and were successful. The end. <laughs> Basically the story of our lives. Well, Jesus, isn't that just a tale for the ages? Frodo took the ring all the way to Mordor and had no problems the entire way there. Yeah. Who's, I would want to read who that. Who the fuck reads that? No one. So we need our TV to not do that. I would we'll, write in some really dirty just, hobby He sets. fucked everyone on the way there. Aragog got fucked. Oh, that's, a Harry that's Harry Potter. Sorry. I was thinking what? of the big spider. Harry Barbie. What? Harry Potter is a spider. I was thinking of the big spider. Shelob? Yeah, Shelob. There you go. Sorry. Aragorn's also still in Lord of the Rings. I said Aragog. Oh. There was a G at the end oh. there. Well, that's just copyright infringement. Pretty much. Anyway, we're going to get into all that. Golem and Samwise are banging. Just pounding <laughs> it precious. out. My <laughs> precious. <laughs> it wasn't the ring that you thought. Oh, it it's, the, it's ring. the asshole ring. <laughs> One ring to rule them all. <laughs> Let's see if I disappear. <laughs> well, there's Dickwoods. <laughs> Can't see it. 
All right. All right. Wow. Jesus Christ. That's disgusting. That might be one of the weirdest things we've ever said. That went, that got dark. Listen, we're that more really escalated. I think that shows everyone that we're morally compromised and we're more interesting because of it. Yeah. Yeah. With the darkness inside Point of us. Point proven. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're going to get into Yikes. all of that uh, actual thought-out discussion rather than the dick jokes. Those will come as well, though. Uh, but first, Literally. But first, just again, because we're still kind of new to this, a bit of a reminder. Uh, this episode is going to be a strict, I think it's like 45-ish minutes, a strict-ish minutes, uh, because we're trying to keep ourselves a little bit more streamlined, a little bit more co uh, cohesive, stay on topic, because we've had a lot of changes, the world has had a lot of changes, and we also have a lot of costs that we're looking at. Uh, so what we're doing here is this episode is going to be our main show where we get through the entire episode, make the discussion points, give our review, and our general score. But if there is more to discuss, which there probably will be, that'll go into a separate hour, a separate podcast that will be available on our Patreon page. So for less than the price of a cup of coffee a month, you can get access to all of that stuff, all the additional discussions, the pre-show, the video cast, the various different things we do, and the additional hour on top of the free show that we do. So if you're interested in that, head on over to patreon.com slash Digital. Help us make more content for you guys. We love doing this, but there's reality to doing it as well that we're trying to fight off and not address every single day. So now that we've said that, Ryan, can you give us a synopsis for episode four, Masters of War? Holy synopsis, Batman. Hold on, let me, give me a second here. I get my synopsis. This isn't two sentences. You yeah. need to. This is, yeah. This you is, need yeah. some this tea to prepare your voice. This synopsis is bigger than the width of his phone, so he's having right. difficulties because <laughs> he comes prepared. <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you turn the, the phone horizontal at least? I know, I got, no, no, we're reading it like this. Who does this? I'm going to. Hold on, let me. This is how. He's becoming less and less more interested interest in these shows. Like now he's coming in, uh, you know, I'm watching gonna, the episode on his phone. He's like, hold on, I'm on Instagram. Let me <laughs> let me get back to the notes. After the details of a veteran's death don't add up, Carlos brings everyone in to investigate, and he shares a detail about his past that makes John see him in a new light. Barry finds an unexpected ally who has been hot on the trail of this monster, and Latika tries to help Mary heal and find closure with someone she lost. Meanwhile. John's habit of running headfirst into danger leaves Millie worried for her son. All right. And who directed and wrote this one? This was uh, directed by John Kretschmer. I think I said that right. And written by Julia Cooperman. I get all the easy last names, dude. You do. Suck it. All right. So as we said before, I think the strength of this episode was certainly John Winchester. His trauma, his past, what he's been through, and, and finally seeing some of that pain bubble to the surface was very very nice i think the i think the writing delivered on what many of our expectations were for this series so far his ptsd his survivor's guilt are things that should be ever present yeah that have been completely absent since the reference to them in the first episode We've never well, seen them affect his abilities. We've never seen them affect his judgment. The other thing with these is it, it, these are quintessential things for John in Supernatural. These are things that make him the grizzled person that we see in Supernatural. So by hitting on these and, and, and you know, actually giving us, like you said, Thomas, his PTSD and the survivor's guilt and the things that, you know, would harden a man. Mm -hmm. um, to a point where he is more 
serious or straight to the point. I saw you laugh, Mike, of what I just said. <laughs> Be careful when you harden a man. Yeah, you don't want to. Yeah, you just you know sometimes you harden. What's your intent? Him. Yes, could get very badly um, or good. Or, well, depending on how you look at it. Yeah, um, but I definitely think that we needed that. I feel like I'm hoping. Let's use this. I'm hoping that as this the season goes on, we see this version of John get more and more, you know, stoic, I guess would be the right word. He needs um, to be beaten down a bit. He really sadly. does. Yes. He needs to be more jaded. Yes. Yes. At least from the, the <laughs> well, I the, feel like this episode was the beginning of yes, that. Yeah. And that's what I'm hoping. They're, ho- they're yes. trying to bring that, that forward because one thing that I thought was definitely a strong aspect of the episode that is connected to the PTSD, the, the PTSD and the survivor's guild aspect is the fact that they brought the, the, the whole idea of Murph back. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. his, his compadre during the war, because as we had discussed in the first episode, we kind of rolled our eyes. It was when, when it very seemed quick. like it was only introduced so that he can use the shrapnel in his arm to kill the monster. Right now, what we see retrospectively, it was an adequate or more than adequate narrative plant right. that you can go back to and use it for the, the further we development. We see him dealing with it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think and that, that needs to be a part of his characterization and, and fleshing out of his character for the rest of the season. Agreed. Because at this point, this John that we see in this show isn't the John we see in Supernatural. So we need to see how that John gets to the John in Supernatural. And this has to be one of the the, the big points for his character. Because this is the type of thing that, like I said, turns a, a man into a hardened Hard version, a, a version of himself. And I think that's this is super duper needed. And I think them using it again, and especially the way they use it in this episode, is very, very well done. And I think it's to touch on a point that you talked about earlier, Mike, that PTSD bringing that to the forefront anyways, especially in nowadays, is is a huge conversation. And I think even in the seventies, it was not a talking point. Right. PTSD was not like a thing that people just wanted to go talk about. And for them, you to, bottle that shit up and you drink yeah, it. You're out. a man. You don't tell your, how you feel. You drink you just, until you feel yes, nothing. Exactly. And you beat your wife and your kids. And then the seventies. Yep. And then you end up killing yourself. And that's just the, that is, that was the circle, the, the vicious sad reality, the yeah. sad reality of, of PTSD in the seventies. And I, so this was a very well done um, episode and I'm glad they put that back in there because you and I laughed about the fact that oh he's they, it was only for shrapnel in his arm no it actually makes sense for the character and yeah. I'm I'm glad that they did that in well, this episode. Make, and also, we need doses of reality yes and this isn't an issue that they had to worry about necessarily with the OG supernatural because it was dealing with contemporary times right and because it was a road show there wasn't really a lot of need to necessarily delve into social issues but if you're dealing with the 1970s you chose a time the early 1970s period piece which is pretty much the same time period that we're living in now yeah so late need, 60s you, early 70s you need to bring in those doses of uh reality in order for it to feel real well and the other thing that that i would say was otherwise super- it feels like a strawberry shortcake episode right yeah you know, just the thing with supernatural is though is as the as the seasons went on sam and dean dealt with their own form of ptsd yeah. with things you know like That's sam Carver with did. lucifer you yeah. know and, and dean with becoming de- a demon there are certain things that they had to deal with now obviously it took more seasons right because you know, they weren't at war per se, but the fact that John is still dealing with this. And I think 
the shots, I, I really did enjoy some of the shots that they did at, to show him dealing with it. You know, the cross in his hand, him squeezing his fist, you know, like, you know, the, the Arthur meme, you know, like whatever. But the fact that you can see him physically having a problem with these issues. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the John that I want to see. I want to see a guy that's freshly back from war, saw his friend blow up with a landmine and is dealing with it in a way. And the, the, the distraction is killing monsters and a super hot chick. <laughs> it's challenging material. And I don't know if you guys would agree or not, but I, I feel like after this episode, Drake Roger, I believe is his name that plays. Yeah. Drake Roger plays John Winchester. I think he has become the standout performer of the show. Yeah. I, I think because he, you, he, he has the qualities. I think he has a lot of room to grow as an actor. Yes. He's, yeah. he's young, but just in this episode alone, he is doing what needs to be done to convey a feeling. Like there wasn't a moment where I rolled my eyes and said, I don't buy it. No. And I, I agree with you. I think the one thing that I really enjoy from him so far is the fact that each episode, I feel like he is slowly inching his way into this role. And I feel like honestly, there's a couple times and I don't know if this is just me, but he's delivering lines and I see Jensen. I don't know if, no, I, I said that a couple episodes see, I ago. Jared. I really do. I, I mean, I think Jared, because of the way he looks, but a little there's, softer. there's a little, yeah. a little softer, but I think there's Jensen in there when he's like, the mannerisms are yes. a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there are his reactions at times reminds me of Jensen. Yeah. Some of his reactions, the, the comedic reactions. Yes. That reminds me of Jensen's delivery. Yeah. Now Jensen is a superior it, actor. Yes. But, we, yeah. There is no, yeah. But also he was not as good th- when he started. As he ended up becoming like he right. was definitely good, but he grew into the role and really owned it yeah. as the years went by. I mean, I feel like if you do, a, if you do 15 years of a season or a character, you should probably be pretty good at that character. Major Collins. I mean, I'm not saying he's bad. I'm saying that he kind of just played it the same pretty much yeah, yeah. the whole way. Right. So he's, Wait, he's an angel. He's got no, I, I, he's an angel of the Lord. Okay. Get it right. God, he reached into perdition and you know, Jesus. Dean. <laughs> that's what really happened in hell. That, that's, yeah, that's why D- Dean doesn't like that to talk about it. That hand prince was from him holding him from one side. The other hand was smacking his wrist ass. deep, baby. Oh. Yeah, there's, there's another brand right in right his asshole. Is, yep. It's just a smack on the butt cheek. Right oh, his, his butthole, like, lining is all <laughs> okay. fucking burnt from the fist. Jesus. All right. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That is awful. What? Thomas understands that type of stuff. He likes asshole no, even even I was like, asshole holy fuck. <laughs> oh, did we just create a new term? He said the asshole play. We need to look holy and see if that's shit. a thing on Urban Dictionary. I'm sure you do not want to Google look, that. I'm looking it look, up. See, Thomas knows You do not want to Google already. that. You'll why, see some things. Why, do you, why, Thomas? Because Thomas is into heavy asshole play. <laughs> heavy heavy don't ask questions ryan don't ask questions i don't, don't want, want I, I don't want, yeah i don't want to know the answer to that one i think the the ptsd bit with john was good in this episode i think it also helped with his acting and making scenes feel more real that's one of the i, I don't want to get too much into it right now but one of the criticisms i have for the show is that the world doesn't feel real and having a widow show up at the morgue for her husband's effects, uh, a PTSD riddled war veteran husband's effects. And you're greeted by like a teenage girl 
who apparently works in the morgue and just starts immediately asking you questions about that stuff. It felt very like... How many morgues have you been to, Thomas? It, it felt know. very much like they know we need to get through the supernatural element of the murder mystery kind of thing. But John having a... Is that his cross? Having a pained real reaction, can't talk about it, has to leave. I, I feel like that felt like a guy who's seen some shit, who's been yeah, through war, I agree. who had a real genuine reaction. And honestly, the widow should have had a similar reaction to that. But Mary just stands there deadpan and starts asking questions about her husband's whereabouts and stuff. And that, that just disconnect takes me out. But John's emotional response made the scene feel better, made it logically flow, gave sense to why he went into the room and smashed the his fist against the paper towel dispenser. He fucked that which paper then towel led to up, which then leads to the next scene in the in the therapy session. It all flows better rather than just we're here in the space because we need to ask the questions because this is the dead body scene. We're now at the spot the spot in which we ask the survivor, widow, best friend, roommate X, Y, and Z questions before the next clue. Like it it feels less robotic then because yeah. he was real and I liked that a lot. Now, and also, the narrations have been questionable is being <laughs> charitable. We talked about this a little bit, I think, on the extra hour. Uh, some of the, the narrations from Dean have just been complete horseshit, I'll be honest. Like, they and have it's been... Not, it's not the reading. I no, mean, no, I mean, the G reading Jensen's fine. He reads them fine, it's but not what that, is it's the said, lines. The, what is the, actually said means Water nothing. is wet, and sometimes when you have water, you get wet. Well, okay, so... So over the last several weeks, I've been trying to put my thumb on it. Why does it sound this way? What, what is it? What does it sound like? It's a fortune cookie. It's something that you would read in a fortune cookie. And to, to be more specific, it's fortune cookie pseudo philosophical nonsense. Yeah. It's, it's the, the way I hear it now, unfortunately, is the way like South Park would do a beer commercial. You're a man, and you want a beer that's just as cold as the Rockies. Water that's pure, like your heart. And it's just like, what are you saying right now? But like that same kind of like Sam silly, silly, weird, talking in on itself nonsense. And by the end of the sentence, you're like, okay, what do we say? Nothing. But this one, this week, I, it actually worked. Talking about how fighting the battle between good and evil is not easy, especially when sometimes you have to fight. The, the first monster you have to face is yourself. Not only is it prophetic for this episode and eventually supernatural as a whole, which I like, but it's deliberately tied to a lot of the shit John's going through right here. It's not just a throwaway statement or that argues, has a loose argument as to what's being yeah. shown in this episode. It still could be rewritten a couple times. It could be stronger. But at least it applies. It's not detached from the episode. Right. And it, it does help that. And we see a little bit of that darkness in John coming to the forefront. That works because we know what he has to go through, what he has to become in order to, to protect his kids. Right now, for better or worse, hunting is a fun, as you said, Ryan, distraction for him. Right. There's a hot girl. There's these new friends that's keeping my PTSD at bay. I get out of the house. Yeah, know? that's what I do. I don't have to listen With to my, my mom. PTSD, I just hot chicks. Yeah, yeah. How many help hot chicks do you after I get after I came back from the war? Yeah, <laughs> it helped me. Really? Yeah. Uh, so let me ask you a question. Um, 
after the war mm. and you, you, you were, but I didn't have any children because I had like 15 over in Vietnam. Right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So Saigon was pretty good for you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't even, I just named him Saigon. Saigon one, one Saigon two, two, three, two. four, Jesus. five. Yeah. And then it's not gender specific either. Right. Saigon yeah. could be a boy or a yeah. girl's name or yeah. they, them. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, that's very thoughtful of you in you know the late sixties. Now the question is, I, I'm, I've always been ahead of my, my time. But like really ahead of, <laughs> yeah, ahead of time. Yeah. But really, really fucking yeah. fast forward, very forward it's thinking. Just, it's my liberal upbringing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Liberal upbringing. And you went to the army. Upgiving? And, I try to say upbringing. And then, so what did you do in Vietnam? What was your, what was, was an interview? Yeah, yes. I'm just curious. Yes. I Barbara really, Walters over there. I just want to see, you know, how many war crimes yeah, did you commit? How, what, what exactly did you do in, in Vietnam? You know, what were you, what was your job? To collect bones of our enemies. <laughs> a bone collector. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Jesus, that was terrible. All right. Uh, but we we know what John has to become. He has to become a lot darker, a lot h- harder. <laughs> he has to become somebody who can do the horrible things that need to be done. Whether that's another hunter dies in the middle of a hunt because you were trying to get the monster, whether that's lying to your kids and hiding from them because you need to find the right solution, whether it's telling Dean to shoot yourself, to shoot you as John. There's a lot of fucked up stuff that he has to be capable of doing and seeing a little bit of this inner darkness, violence beneath the surface, knowing that he has to go down that hellish rabbit hole that we actually saw a bit of in the supernatural origin comic if you want right. to check that out head on over to patreon.com slash rayman digital where we go into a full discussion about that uh but what a promo it's a little bit nicer to see he's got some teeth i i don't like just watching these quote hunters walk around without weapons just solve problems without issue Seeing that there's trauma, seeing that it's real. I think complexity is, nice. is the theme of our show today. It's just we yeah. want we want more complexity. I, we need more. I, yeah. We need more. And I think that's it's so funny you because say that. That is what Sam and Dean were from the very beginning. They yeah. were very complex. Yes. There was a lot going on with them. I think I think it, to go back on what Thomas said a couple episodes ago, episodes ago, this feels very much Scooby Doo. But if it were, there were more complexity to it, the characters were more complex, there was more to it, I think it would feel less like that. And, yeah, I, and I, this I, is a good example of that. Yeah, and I think by adding these layers to John, I mean, it, it, the thing is Mary and John have to get to a specific place, right? And they have to get to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, technically, but they have to get to a specific place so to where we know them. And I feel like, you know, this was a nice fresh step, but I feel like the whole thing is like, you know, I'm waiting for them to jump into the mystery machine and a talking dog shows up and they start eating Scooby snacks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Another aspect that made the John stuff really pop is the entire uh, Mars aspect. Yes. I mean, what a great way to really perfect character. Yes. A, I guess you can say something that's become a bit of an archetype when it comes to the world of supernatural, the, the establishing the herald of your future. Yeah. Like having this God be like this harbinger, you know, warning you, like you gotta be strong to, to, uh, we gotta prepare you and you gotta be strong in order to defeat the Akrita. Gabriel said the same to Sam and Dean. 
Yeah. Let me ask you guys channels. a question, though. Let me ask you a question. Now, we know that demons exist. And uh, okay, let me reframe this. In Supernatural, we knew that there were certain characters, like angels didn't show up until a specific time frame, right? Right. We, gods didn't show up till a specific time frame. So does this take away knowing John and Mary knew about gods before Sam and Dean did? And the thing is, does that take, like, does it seem weird? No, because gods were... They were, they were aware of gods. Um, remember the episode with the scarecrow? Episode 11, season Of season one. one, right? So they did introduce the idea of gods. They were small gods. Obviously, the, the Judeo-Christian the pag- god. Pagan god. The, yeah, the god of Abrahamic beliefs obviously was considered a, a fictional story that didn't exist. Right. But, but these lesser gods, that's part of the, the greater pantheon of of mythologies across the world. I don't feel like that was ever in question. Correct me if I'm wrong, Thomas. So, yeah, because I, I did look that up. The The deities that you had, you had the scarecrow god, which was that god of, like, the harvest or fertility. Harvest. Episode. Yeah, that's one of my Great favorites. fucking episode. Also horrifying. Uh, you had the pagan gods in the very supernatural Christmas. Okay. Yeah. And you had, oh, that's right. You that's had right. a Slavic god of the forest in season five, episode five, Fallen Idols. It wasn't until season five, episode 19, Hammer of the Gods, that you had the entire pantheon eh. of recognizable names show up. I read that episode. But we had deities that were of various myths and lore before as early as season one. So that that didn't bother me too much. If if it had I been just, I was Shiva, Odin, then I would have been like, okay, like yeah, Zeus. I would have yeah. been like, this was a fuck. lesser, this was a lesser god. It, you know, a forgotten I mean, deity. And, and also, like, it also, I feel like introducing a god into it also raises the stakes because if the Akrita is hunting simply, let's say, obviously we know they're trying to kill everything on this planet. I believe is what they said. Mm-hmm. God right. would also be a part of that, uh, and. If it was just monsters, I don't think the stakes would would, would be sense. as high. Okay. But suddenly you introduce the fact that even a god is aware of it, and he wants to use what he sees in John Winchester to combat the Akrita. That's a powerful statement. Also, the the parallel with Sam is fantastic. The fact yeah. that yeah. who else wants to prepare Sam for the coming battle? You know, Yellow Eyes. So I uh, love that parallel. Because it says something about he even, John. He even looks a, has a little bit of a yep. similar look or vibe. It was definitely purposeful. Yeah. I did like that because not only, like you said, the, the parallels, but it gives us a sense of that that foreshadowing that he's the herald of John's doom, that he will become this aggression-obsessed, violent person that he sadly kind of needs to be to survive the trials coming ahead of him. So I, I do like that. And I think the poignant moment of the episode of him in the shower at the end, and his mom like walks in on him and he's just kind of PTSD shaken in the, in the tub. I thought oh, that was that a very was so sad. Dude. I thought that was a very yeah, that, sad, very well done, subtle, more subtle moment. That was true pain. So do you a think he was thinking like seen. Finkel is Einhorn and Einhorn is Finkel? Okay. Or... <laughs> That's the first thing I thought of when I saw that oh, scene. Oh, wow, Billy. I know it's bad. You're a terrible Put person. A plunger on his face. Einhorn <laughs> <laughs> is a man. <laughs> <laughs> he found Captain Winky. 
Sorry. Yeah. That would never fly in today's No, absolutely not. But that was a very powerful scene. Unfortunately, that is the first thing I thought of, and I laughed in my head. But then I started... Obviously, the seriousness of the of the it, situation. It was a very dark yeah, it's moment. A very dark, it's a very yeah. sad moment, and I think it's a very like we said earlier. It's relatable moment. There's people who have been through that. There's people whose family and friends yeah, have been through for that. For sure. And I think you need more of those because that's the thing that makes it hit and pull on those heart those heartstrings that makes a show different than just some crap you're watching for an hour. I honestly think that sequence is probably the best sequence. That was great. And all of the show so far. By far. Yeah. Oh, for sure, yes. Yeah, they're, they're really, that was a real step up of having John go from the person we've met to the person we'll know. Now, the other one who fits in, who, of the two, Mary in this episode, uh, this was, I don't know, personally, I don't know if it was as much of a hit for me, but they at least have the same kind of marks or, or steps of her kind of confronting some of her own trauma, her own past, that trauma of losing her sister that would later justify her decision to quit the hunting life and try and have the homebody, happy go lucky life she had with Sam and Dean, or at least briefly as with those two. I think you need to start dropping these. I, I, you call them migratory cues, basically mm -hmm. little moments that, yeah. that will show you where you're going, where you're going, but also things that we know, for example, we know how Mary views hunting. Mm -hmm. We know this has been established several years back in the OG supernatural series. So we need these moments that show us that she has a very particular view on hunting at this moment in her life. And the fact that she's mourning the death of her sister and adds to this trauma. And you know, you realize that she didn't want this life for her family. We know this. So they're building that path so that when she does get to that moment to make that decision, all of it will make sense and it'll all fall into place. Yeah. And we need these little moments because the episode for the most part was about John Winchester, but right. giving us this little bit for Mary actually works. And, you know, we did watch ahead. Episode five takes this idea a lot further. Yeah. So it does definitely work. And it, it, it's a good setup for her future decisions and, and where she wants to be. It's believable. It follows with what she's been through before. Um, I don't quite feel like this Mary has the actor playing Mary. I don't feel like she has quite found the role yet. I agree. Um, I don't think she's bad by any means. And no, maybe, she's not bad. Maybe a part of I, it has to do with the fact that we loved Mary Campbell, OG. Like we really liked yeah. it's yeah. the best thing Dab did yeah. in his entire run. It's all oh, for sure. Yes. Until he killed her in a reason it didn't make any sense, but arbitrarily, but for... the way he built her out mm -hmm. and explained the reasons why she did certain things. I thought it was fantastic. And maybe that's part of the reason why it's hard for me to get behind this Mary. Now I don't dislike her. I like her, but I don't quite feel like the actor is making the same strides as the actor playing John. I, I will say I, Meg Donnelly's Meg Donald, Yes. Her performance. I have really unfortunately struggled with. I feel like what the character is supposed to be is at least believable and falls in line, but I feel like so many of her lines, she's just reading them. Oh, you have a problem with her acting. I, I'm not a fan. I'm not sold yet. I feel uh, an example from this episode that really stuck out to me was when 
she is having that conversation with Lada about her sister, and Lada's kind of having Who's this, Lada? The British Which girl. One? British? There's a British the, girl. British in accent Indian girl. Latika. Oh. La, they call her Lada. That's just the only name I remember. Oh, okay. <laughs> Latika. She doesn't deserve a nickname yet. Neither does Losi. That one I fucking hate. I'm sorry. This just sounds terrible. Uh, Latika, she has this moment talking about Maggie and how she always was able to find the good in the darkness. And Mary's just like, yep. Do you have a dime? Like the, 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 the that's how I say the, you have a dime. The, the scene in which she's talking to the widow, she just says, she's like, you're the second person to ask me that today. Who was the first? It just, it doesn't feel like a real person reacting or thinking about a memory of this reporter, or maybe that's a clue. Wait, what do you mean someone else asked you this? There's no, I don't feel like there's a human element to her being the character in that moment. I feel like, and this might just be me, I just feel like I'm watching an actress read the line, not deliver <laughs> the line. And that might be a nitpick, but for me, it just feels wooden, and I, I can't describe it any other way which is a shame because like i said i feel like i i like what they're doing with the character i just don't believe the character that i've seen yet mm-hmm. and maybe, maybe she, she just needs more time she, she might need more time yeah. that, and i'm that's why i'm not trying to be hold it like up to this bar you need to be as good as as yeah. mary campbell from back in the day you know kind of thing i'm giving it time but for me it's 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 been a little bit of a i'm just looking struggle. forward to seeing this version on the ceiling on fire. Jeez. That's hot. In a 90. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. And it, w- it was nice to have a little bit of tying John and Mary together. I think they're moving towards that a little bit more with the shared trauma yeah. element. We had the whole, hey, let's go to the movies with random fuck number two. But they're not doing what we thought they were going to do. With we're not doing characters. what they were afraid that we talked do. about that. If people yeah. are confused. We talked about that more in depth with. In Patreon, there was an interview with Robbie Thompson, and he had said that there's going to be a complicated romance between John and Mary, and it had a lot to do with the two other characters they have introduced. That the one that John was engaged to, and then the one Betty, that, and then the one that Mary went to the movie with. Oh yeah, the reporter guy. And fortunately, it doesn't seem like it's turning into that, which yeah. is good. I'm happy about that. Yeah. So, all right. So we only have a few minutes left for some. Bits of criticism, and then our final thoughts, Thomas. We have five minutes. Oh, Jesus. There's a lot. There's a lot in that. Okay, uh, well, so. Fucking wrap it up, uh, Thomas. One thing that we talked about a little bit, Carlos did a good job with his tie, dialed down performance, talking about his memories of Vietnam. I yeah. liked that. I thought that was a great moment. It was completely opposite of his, <laughs> a couple things, his costuming, for one. I don't know what the hell's going on with this show's costume department. But between Nito, how he looks, his 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 get a get a hockey get a hockey gear, and we're just gonna tape some horns to a mask outfit, and Carlos looking just random. Yeah, I don't know what's going on there. I feel like they need to make some wiser decisions when it comes to costuming in the show. I feel like the outfits for Carlos and some of the other characters just don't fit nineteen seventies, and like John and Mary look. Okay, Mary sometimes looks just looks like her clothes are what someone who in 2022 would go to Old Navy and buy. That if the 70s, 70s show did a better job of costuming, 
than you're doing now when that show already exists and you didn't use that as a reference? Like, come on. Yeah. I think that's, that's a, that's a big deal for me. I, I think yeah. it kind of takes me out of it a little bit. Um, Cause I just, I see these outfits. I'm like, that's not from the 1970s, no. man. Like so there's, there's a lot of things that are jarringly modern day versus what has yeah. really happened in that world. The costumer needs to be fired. Yeah. Because <laughs> the job of a costumer is, it entails a lot of things. Make everyone look, but cool. you also need to look, make your actors look good. I've worked with actors. And one of the things they fear is not it's looking, looking good. Yeah. I think about that every day. Yeah. <laughs> and they make the, what's Carlos's name? Jojo Fleetas? Yes. I believe so, yeah. They make him look awful. Yeah. You need to dress him according to his body type. Giving him skin tight clothes accentuates his odd man curves. <laughs> and the true. only reason why I'm saying it like that is because the costuming department needs to improve. It is bad. And it's not just him. They also dress Ada in like moo-moos. Like, oh, and have her on the front lines. It's weird. She's running after monsters in a muumuu. Yeah. How is she not tripping on that large fucking gown? Well, clearly you've never worn a muumuu, but if you wear a muumuu, it gives you a lot of range of motion in that big flowing isn't the, Isn't that the rule from The Incredibles? No capes, so you can't get That's grabbed. Not a cape. It, it might as well be a fucking. So cape. you can't get grabbed or caught in an elevator or an escalator if the or wind a trip. Picked up, Dude, she would definitely fly off plenty, like an umbrella. There are plenty of tias <laughs> out there that wear muumus that don't get caught right. in escalators. So um, another few couple things that I, I feel like has to be touched on. There, is, this isn't to be political. This is not a political piece. This is not a social commentary piece about what they've put in the show. But this show is not doing themselves or the groups they claim to represent any favors by detaching themselves from the fabric of reality by having there be zero conflict and zero struggle for the marginalized groups or particularly individuals in a 1970s Kansas rural town. Now, Kansas Lawrence, Kansas is more blue than other parts of Kansas, like Austin, Texas. But, but the fact that Carlos has, goes up to John's mom, who, according to timeline, if this is the 70s and she's in her 40s, would put her as born in the 30s and talks about how that, agree, like, I'm going to say it, egregiously gay statement about how men like men in uniform as well. She didn't even say, oh, I have the line because it bothered me that much. It bugged me pretty She well. says, everyone loves a man in uniform. And he says, even other men in uniform. Or, or even men love other men in uniform. It was just an unnecessary statement to someone who should, by that time period, be, be like, like, whoa, why are you dressed the way you do? You should cut your hair hippie at the very yes. least. Get off my lawn. And I'm yeah. sorry, but that if he is a true bisexual character, shouldn't he just have had more of a smart comment of, yes, everyone. She didn't say women. She said everyone loves a man in uniform. And he could have had a smart ass comment of, yes, everyone does. Yeah, it doesn't, it didn't need or to something. be. It feels this, he comes into no conflict and I'm not saying just, we need to be bigoted in our shows, but we need to have our shows feel realistic. You brought up a great example from True Blood off air that I, I, if you have a moment to talk about that before we get into. Well, yeah, hold on. I want, I want you to talk about that, but let me set it up a bit. Yeah. So as you were saying, like, I don't want Supernatural to become a show for social commentary. I don't. Political pieces. It doesn't need to be. It's never been that it's type of show. It's never been that. However, because you chose the early 1970s. A 
rife with conflict era. And you have chosen your cast to be 80%. Mathematically speaking. Minorities, including LGBT. Mm -hmm. And then you choose to be colorblind. And I'm going to throw the LGBT character into the same definition as colorblind. There's another term for it. Mm -hmm. Why are you doing that? Because all you're doing then is you're not being sincere. What you're simply doing is putting characters, actors in a show so that you can pat yourself on the back. They look how progressive we are. We have representation. But it's not real. But that's not real representation. All you're doing is checking off boxes. Because if you want to throw these types of characters into 1970s Kansas, you're going to need to have a little bit of pushback from some of the other characters. You you need to have some conflict. Now, I'm not saying that you need to delve into racist episodes and, and but... But, but here's it would an example. be more interesting and more realistic if, let's say, Carlos and John go to get gas and the attendant gives Carlos a side glance that obviously says, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah. There needs to be some type of realism brought into a show yep. that it takes place in 1970. It feels weird. It feels disingenuous. It feels forced. If you're gonna do it, then do go, it. Then do it. You can't. You can't put a rose lens on 1970. Harvey Milk, who got assassinated in 1978, out there, gay senator, would not be the story it was if you corrected it by having a modern day era in which nothing bad happened to him and everyone loved him. Yeah, and the example you were about to bring up for True Blood. True Blood was a show that did delve into a lot of uh, commentary. So not not politics. I think a lot of people get confused nowadays between politics and social commentary. And what happens and the difference is when a show politicizes social commentary, then it becomes a political show uh, versus social commentary. A good example, because I'm going to use it Mm -hmm. all the time. Yeah. Star Trek. That's social commentary. A lot of people say it's political. It's not political. It's social commentary. Now, some TV shows try to do social commentary, but all they're doing is standing on a platform and they're expressing an ideology that's now politicizing social issues. So you can delve into social issues without politicizing it. And that's what True Blood did so well. And there's an example. I, I want to say the first episode of True Blood where they wanted to express and set the tone for a specific character. And they had a guy that was serving food in the South mm-hmm. with a bunch of white people, hill people. And instead of ignoring the fact that he's black, you had a group of people who loved him. The people that work there, they're all his friends. They're high fiving, they accept him. But then he, the people that the food's being served to, they make it a point to say, we don't want that black guy giving us our food. So they have the character go over there. He says, what's what he sets them. Oh, he straight. says what's he, what he does. It's and probably it's, one of the best things ever. It's so well done. And then he walks away and does his little gay thing, a little high five. He's the best character on that show. It's so good. It is so good. He's my favorite character on that show. And it takes up five minutes. It's fucking less. Two minutes. I just looked up the scene. Two minutes. And it brings a more realism to it. Whereas this, you just ignore it as if everyone in 1970 is accepting. Yeah. Yeah. And another one, and this just as a. Which is a disservice because it's. It's it's insulting. It's not real. You, Thomas. We know history. Yeah. 
What about the young people watching a show like this? Oh, the 70s were all nice? They're not going to have any (laughs) idea of what reality was really like for these people. No. It's a a disservice to act like everything's all hunky-dory. And you take out conflict from a show which needs more conflict, frankly. But another one that, that just made the lore horror that is me just twitch with incorrect this was one, i almost turned dude the TV off. dude i was i was literally like i was so mad and it's dumb but it's not the phrase from latika that shocker old white men have nothing on pre-christian lore and myth incorrect this is the motherfucking men of letters yeah who know everything who were not religious religiously biased <laughs> regionally biased sexually biased fucking biased because get except against monsters and all monster types because monsters are the problem to to act like the men of letters didn't have every single scrap of every single piece of information on every single group that they could fucking get their hands on and instead going for the low-hanging fruit of white men who were old don't like anything other than jesus is so offensive as a fan to and it shows the fucking lack on the writer's standpoint of having they're just ignorant. It made me mad because no, the, the 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 thing that was so so good about the Men of Letters is that it was rich with lore. Yes. Now Christianity, what started in what uh, technically thirty two A D? Does that sound like thirty A D around that range? Like true Christianity? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we know for a fact, even before the Men of Letters were introduced, supernatural always delved into esoteric religions and gods Random that predated stuff. things. And then the men of letters, when they were introduced, they took it up a notch. Yeah. Alternate they, realities they, were not off the table. They, they want to make a social statement here, but this is less social, more political. That's what I'm talking about. Taking a social issue and politicizing it. What that, what they just did was politicize the wrong fucking thing. If you were going to politicize anything, which I don't want you doing, at least, at least get it right. At least get it right. I mean, what the fuck? See, the thing is, is something like that was easy to do. That was low hanging fruit. It's easy to write that, as opposed to writing a <laughs> complicated so thing. Well, and, and you're writing for your. And this, this and, is and an also example. White, white men. I mean, I'm involved in a lot of academic circles, and essentially, the men of letters are an academic are, are circle. They delve in to. All things because they love information. Yes. They love the world of academia. It just doesn't even make sense. And that's that's one of those moments that we have way too much of just in general these days of the writer screaming through the character rather than a character being a character. It's it's the writer telling their point of view, their opinion, who they are to an audience that they know is watching. Yep. Not characters talking to one another about realistic things that happen another and i have to say just because i'm on this point another one that stuck out to me of that kind of thing was when latika's talking to mary about how maggie used to do all these things even when hunting she always found a way to look on the bright side you're talking to her sister who knows her yeah why wouldn't you talk to John who doesn't know who she is, who might have, after being shut out of the room, logical questions about Maggie and her impact on Mary's life and why it's such a traumatic event? Instead, you have, oh, I need exposition here. I'm going to fill out the blank for the audience who's watching. Latika's not talking to Mary here. Talk Latika's talking to the audience. The writer has an issue with 
old white men who'd never watched anything about the mental letters then. I, that stuff just bothers the shit out of me. If things ever needed to be redacted, that definitely should yeah, be redacted. That, we need a dab in there to redact this. Just a, oh, just wait, a red card. He never redacted anything. It was the cast. When, it, they thought, when they thought something he wrote was bad. They were like, fuck. That's you. right. Yeah. See, we need someone to redact this. We need someone, someone to redact dab. <laughs> yes, we don't. All right. So, so we're going over on time <laughs> here. So let's get into final thoughts. Ryan, we'll start with you. Um... I I will say this. The, the, this episode is night and day better than what we've gotten so far. Um, the stuff with John, I really, really, really enjoyed. I think it made his character. I just, I want to see John get to, to the point of what we know John to mm-hmm. be. And I think this was a very good step in that direction. Um, you know, the, like we'd said, the scene where him in the shower just kind of crying and his mom comforting him, like that's... It's very real. And I liked that. And I think, you know, after the first couple episodes, seeing John kind of be, I mean, he used the word granola. He's very, it just didn't fit a soldier who came back from Vietnam and saw his friend get blown up by a mine. So I I did enjoy seeing that he is having an inner, I don't want to see anybody have an inner struggle, but it is nice to see that character development. Um, I kind of agree with you about Mary. I, I don't think she's terrible. But I do see that kind of just reading lines thing. There's something about Mary. Uh, <laughs> we always got to throw it in. Damn God it. damn that That's movie, dude. But, um, yeah. So I, I did. There is something there, and I think it's it's yeah. It's not completely bad, but it's also uh, it can't go on for very long. Um, yeah. because then I'll be like, what the fuck? Um, the the I, again, I just I'm gonna say it, and I'm gonna say it. I just don't care for the side characters. I really don't have any interest in them. They're not intriguing to me. I don't really care if they all died tomorrow oh. by a hellhound. Like I, I just don't, it just wouldn't, I, they've grown, they've grown nothing on me. If dab needed to ever kill anyone in a very insensitive way, like he killed Eileen, you know, with a hellhound, she can't see or hear uh, <laughs> th- like th- we need to, can we, <laughs> oh, I can forgot we, about that. Can we bring him to do wow. something here? Like, yeah, I just again not. Where's the racist truck when we need him? <laughs> oh my god! Whoa, Route Six Six Six. Jesus. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm. I can say that. You're allowed to say that. Why are you allowed to say I, it? Because you're Vietnam. Just like I can complain about Carlos. You guys marginalize me in here, and I'm marginalized <laughs> in real life. Um, my rating for this, I'm gonna give this. Uh, I'm gonna give it a seventy. It was. It was a good episode. I did enjoy it. I enjoyed the stuff with John. You liked this one less than the pilot. What did I give the pilot? A 78. I give the pilot. Yeah, the pilot was still pretty good. But if you go 70, it's 70. I think it's a 70. I mean, it is better right. than the last two. I will say that. So. All right. Well, what are you laughing about? Because his last two were 70 and 69. <laughs> he doesn't even know what he's rating these things. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, I'm just being an asshole right now, but I'm like, I was like you know what? I don't, honestly, two. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't give a shit. So <laughs> that's wow. It is a better episode. I did. And the John stuff did make so it 71. better. Yeah. Yeah. Give it a 70.5 Thomas. You know what? That's better, right? That's better than 70. Oh shit. 70.2. There we go. All right, Mike. Now you're, just, you, what I'm about you? He's, we're going to mute him. What did you think of the episode? I feel like the episode was definitely a step up. It was more cohesive. 
uh, bringing John Winchester into a position that feels more aligned with the John that we will eventually know. Obviously, there's many more steps that he must go through, obstacles, hurdles before he gets to that point. But I feel like this is the beginning. And to see that there is a, a bit of aggression and darkness um, that they're trying to build there, it justifies a lot of his future behavior and it makes him that much more interesting. And the reason why I'm going to give this episode an 80% Ooh, wow. is because I feel like they did a really good job with him. Now, I'll be perfectly honest. The episode probably would have been 87% if it didn't have the costuming issues, which is just, it's so distracting. Yeah, And I say this about a lot of things. For example, I understand people want to normalize things. I get that. There, we should normalize a lot of things that, that society in general frown upon. I'm all about that. I'm a liberal guy. But then there becomes a point where you're just distracting. And I feel like that with another TV show I watch, which is a great way to parallel and, and drive home my point here. I'm in the middle of watching a network TV show that I don't watch network television, but it's Quantum Leap. And it's pretty fucking fun. The good, fun, easy show. Mm -hmm. But there's a character who's a male who dresses like an aging librarian. <laughs> a, a woman. <laughs> I'm not joking. She has her hair up in a bun. He's has probably glasses. like 20, maybe 29, 30 years old, but he looks like a 70-year-old librarian. Because he, so wears he looks like Sam with the wig in the last episode. He, he just, it looks the bad. glasses with the chain, a cardigan, floral print, print blouse. He's actually a very interesting character, but his fabulousness is so fucking distracting that it doesn't do your show any favors, any favors. Mm -hmm. And I feel like they're doing that. They're doing it's that with Carlos. Carlos. Yeah. You know, I literally complained about the first episode. It, it is, it is one thing that takes me out of every scene. I cannot take the character seriously. It's hard. I look at the this character. This episode was the best for him. I think yes. they, I think the director did a great job bringing him down, which is the director's yeah. job many times. Many times you need to bring the actors down because they want to give it more gonna, so that you can tell them, hey, bring it down just a bit. And I feel like that's what the director did. I am going to give you a great example of the complete polar opposite of Carlos. The girl that plays Rhaenyra on House of the Dragon. Oh. She is a... Young or older? The, the older version. Okay. She is a... Uh, she identifies they, them, but mm -hmm. she plays a woman and actually plays a convincing woman that actually makes sense. Like, and, and so it, it's it's not totally undoable. No, it, you're right. It's same thing with... Um, I brought this up before we started. Uh, the character from Big Sky... Uh, Jesse James Keitel, trans male. Is that the right term, Thomas? Trans woman. Trans said, woman. Trans woman. Mm -hmm. Except for the opening three or four episodes of the first season to establish a story. It was relevant to the story. They've never gone back to the fact that she's trans. Yeah. She's a character no in the show. She doesn't distract because yep. she, you want to normalize something. Yeah. That's how you normalize yeah. it. You don't normalize anything by creating a distraction. And that's what Carlos is. He's a distraction. He's an eyesore because the way they dress him, yep. his, his, the fact that he rolls his eyes every 20 every, seconds. He always has a snarky comment. It's it, just getting old. Yeah. And then the other reason why it's not 87% is the, the shocker comment, the old Whiteman comment. Yeah. Just, if it mattered to the story, then I'd say, okay, I'd fine. Laugh. Yeah, it'd but be the funny. fact that it's completely inaccurate 
Yeah. Watch the 15th season of Supernatural. Well, when well, was the, the when was the Men of Letters introduced? Season eight. Yeah. Season eight. Watch season eight through season 15, and you know that's inaccurate. How much shit do they find in the bunker throughout the years from it, season eight to 15? Yeah, it's stupid. So that's why it's an 80. percent And it's sad that a show can drop seven percent, academically speaking, because of, of little shit. Yeah, things that you just don't keep track of. This is quality control. Yeah. This, th- these are the types of things that make or break a show. Yeah. Um, for me, I thought this episode was much better than the last couple had been. I liked seeing John's trauma finally make an appearance. I liked seeing the foreshadowing of who he could be. While I wasn't impressed with the villain necessarily, I still kind of liked the villain idea. Cool. I wish they had more time with John. Rather than talking about donuts and fruit cups, have one moment of him seeing into... John's soul seeing a little bit more before the reveal of the monster. Yeah. I feel like the, sh- the, the show has potential, but I feel like the moment to moment beats of the plot just kind of meander about because they're still following supernatural's pacing plan, general setup rather than being their own show with their own moments. As a result with that worked when you had Sam and Dean and that was it. You have four cast members, plus another two who show up every now and then between Ada and Millie, the mom. And yet I feel like we just kind of plod along rather than have yeah. moments where John is really facing something. And this guy, another war vet could have had a moment with him who knows where he's coming from and how you have to toughen up and, and bury that shit down and prepare for the war to come because that would have led to John doing something that would have pushed him over, which would have let this Nito into his mind. I, and I'm getting very subjective right now, but I just feel like I we're agree. falling into supernatural long, pattern Thomas. without being our own show. Yeah, it, you need to be your own show. You're not going to You need survive. to be your own show. You won't ever pass class if you just copy off the kid in front of you. Well, that's what I said a couple episodes ago. Yeah. That the, the biggest disappointment about this series is the fact that this isn't really a new show. No, it's trying to ape an old show. You're literally remaking the original Supernatural with a different cast. Yeah. It's the exact same format, same formula, same style of writing. It could have been something very different and yet feel consistent within the world of Supernatural. And I feel like they're doing themselves a disservice every time they just play into what is expected of them. Yeah. Um, while I liked Carlos's grounding moment, I, I have to say... I just make him a gay character then. That's kind of if the way I feel. If he's going to only be played one way, then it's just throwing out the token he's by. And maybe just because I'm like, oh, there goes some representation I would have liked. But <laughs> just yeah. right out the fucking window. But it, it just doesn't feel like a realistic world with some of that stuff. And I didn't care for that clearly slap in the face to lore because you didn't read or watch any of, didn't even look up what the mental letter, letters were for how prestigious this is supposed to be that their whole bunker is based out of a, a ramshackle version of the mental letters bunker. But I do think they had a lot of promise and I think it went a lot better than the last two. So I'm going to give it a 78. I liked it a lot more. I think that I liked it even probably more than, I don't know, it's, it's close to the pilot yeah. because I feel like this had more emotional moments while the pilot was better yeah. structured. I agree. So Split the difference, and I'll give it a seven. Brian bringing down the whole. Like, I don't even class I, I, average like usual. No, that's usually me. Seventy percent cheeses. I don't. I don't <laughs> think he even. I think he, that his last statement was right. He doesn't even care. <laughs> uh, they need to earn it. They still they, need they, to earn they, it for they, him. He's not wrong though. Like Thomas isn't wrong. Like 
I I judge these shows now based on if my attention span stays on the show. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't. I have to force myself to watch. And I it sounds so terrible. And I don't want to say that. But it's the truth. And I think I, they have a ton of potential. They just need to have is, the con- and that's, they need the confidence to put conflict in be their own format and formula. And quit being worried what people say. Give your your hunters fucking weapons when they go into dens of darkness and evil. Yeah, we'll get into that during the next discussion. Yeah. Yeah. Just just be your own thing. And quit hunting in okay? Yeah. Don't hunt. (laughs) Hashtag don't hunt in moomoos. Yeah. I'm going to send that to Robbie Thompson. (laughs) All right. So we've gone way over. That's going to do it here for us discussing episode four. Thank you all for listening. If you want to hear more, head on over to patreon.com slash Digital, where you can get all the additional discussions that we're sure to have. And we hope to hear or see you guys next time. You little maggot. You are no longer a part of this story. Hey, ass butt.